0: Welcome to The Innovation Experts, a global podcast brought to you by Farnell, Newark and Element 14, where you can find out about the latest innovations in the world of electronics. Hello and welcome to The Innovation Experts, a global podcast by Farnell. My name is Dave Beck, and I am Global Head of EMEC and Passives for Farnell, joining you live from Leeds, United Kingdom. Today, we've got Matt Dentino from Advantech, joining us from Ohio in the United States. Matt is the Industrial Internet of Things Channel Manager for North America, has worked with Advantech for 17 years, assisting business partners and customers to connect their industrial chain using intelligent IoT systems and embedded platforms. In this episode, We're going to find out how Avantech's industrial wireless solutions are helping shape innovation in the new wave of Industry 4.0. Welcome to the podcast, Matt.
1: Thank you, Dave. Great to be here.
0: Okay, Matt. So we're here to talk about Industry 4.0. So let's get straight down to business. What does Industry 4.0 mean to Avantech?
1: Well, literally, it is the integration of multiple technologies in the industrial space. It's driven by data by integration of data from the shop floor to the top floor. And now, you know, with cloud, we're blowing the roof off the top floor. So we're going all the way into the cloud. It involves machine to machine data. It involves KPIs, uh, enhanced insights. It's data for the sake of better operations and integration. It's a lot of different things, but really with Advantech, it is That integration, to go back to that mantra, it's the integration of the shop floor to the top floor and beyond.
0: So in terms of the common challenges, you know, when customers try to move to Industry 4.0 systems, what are some of the common pitfalls that they see?
1: Well, listen, it has always in the past been that integration and how do you get the data from the machine to where you need it to be. And in the past, that was always a back room where all the analysis was done on a server someplace or in the maintenance shed or the maintenance office. So there was a lot of difficulty getting the data, whether you had guys doing walk-around data analysis with the handheld data collectors and taking readings off of equipment that was out there in the field, that's difficult. Lots of different types of technologies from vibration analysis and acoustic analysis, oil analysis, thermographic analysis, all kinds of different technologies, all needing different pieces of equipment or different handheld devices to get out there. And then you've got the situation where you've got remote sites all over. You've got pumps down by the river. You've got manufacturing plants that span miles and miles under roof. And getting all that data and then getting it back to an analysis center was always a sticking point because cabling that kind of distance. Some places you just simply couldn't cable it. In other places, you know, you could run cable, but it was a lot of cable. It was very expensive. Permanently mounting transducers out there and then running wire back to whatever that central repository was, always a bit of a cost drain and having someone go out there with the equipment either on a cart or you know when it became more miniaturized and you could actually carry most of it around yourself then you had human capital you had people that had to go out and collect all that data we had like you'd remember here in the states the paper route where as a kid i had a paper route i'd go up and down moss avenue and i'd deliver the paper so we would do that in the industrial space with thermographic cameras, with vibration sensors, with oil analysis pieces of equipment where you'd draw oil samples or you'd just do visual inspections. But you had to put somebody out there in the plant to do that. And that's costly, both in time and in effort and in money. And so those were the things that always were part of the sticking point for the adoption of 4.0 and industry 4.0. But I think the other thing is also that in my observation and in my experience, manufacturing plants are generally slow adopters of new technology. And so there was that hurdle to get over just because, you know, it's the life's blood of manufacturing plants is keeping the plant running and keeping production going. And at some places at almost any cost, meaning running to failure and running through situations like that, that was just the way work was done because you needed as much product out the door as you could get. So adopting these new technologies and adopting maybe some online stuff besides the cost when the technology was newer, yeah, that's like the idea of buying the first model year of an automobile. Nobody wants to do that. You want to let that first model have all the bugs shake out, have somebody else experience all those uh, fun times. So you wait for the second or the third year. So we're slow adopters in this industry. And I think that's been also a hurdle to it. The industry, though, is blossoming. The last statistic I read in 2021, it was a $1 trillion industry. So that's not small by, by any means. And by... 2030, we're looking at projections of three and a half trillion dollars globally. So more and more people are moving that direction. And the Garner group did a study said by 20, what's it 2025, they're going to be over 50 billion connected devices out there in the industrial space. People are getting over that hump.
0: I guess, Matt, so data transference, you talk about a lot there, the slow adoption of technology, huge market. If you had a magic wand, what would you change that would make it easier for companies to benefit from your industry 4.0 solutions?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Let me start there with the mindset, that old mindset of not being on the bleeding edge we want to ratchet that back a little bit because technology has gotten to the point where that initial run of a new technology is far more robust far more safety conscious far more security conscious and we're taking the technology and we're breaking it into components so you've got new technology and sensors that is really really strong and miniaturization so the sensors are smaller they're lighter they're faster they're smarter the different technologies in wireless. So, I said one of the big bottlenecks was cabling. Well, that's not so much a bottleneck anymore. Cabling's gotten cheaper, but the wireless technology has gotten so much more robust. Everything from using OPC UA, which is open architecture, to the different protocols that are out there now that are so secure for one thing. I guess that was another thing I didn't mention, but security has always been an issue. Uh, people want to make sure, and that's why we were cabling everything in back in the day, not just because the wireless wasn't as robust, but people didn't trust it. Well, now people are trusting it. So that magic wand that I would have would actually help change the mindset and say for those older guard i'm at the back end of the baby boomers you know i'm one of the last years that are considered baby boomers and it's those of us that are still in that group in the market that are pushing the slow adoption or i should say dragging our heels that magic wand needs to help us get over that hump i did a long time ago i'm an early adopter i'm a technology geek so i like looking at new technologies and seeing where that new technology is actually going to be able to help us. And so taking us to that next step and with all the robustness of the new technology, like another study that I read by ABI research did a survey of 600 different manufacturing companies all around the world. And 92% of them said that they were moving towards the wireless. Now that 5G was becoming the standard with 5g you've got speed and bandwidth that we never had could take advantage of in the past and when we're talking about all these devices now that are going to be hooked up so that industry report predicting 50 billion connected devices those connected devices those 50 billion devices are going to be pushing 80 zettabytes of data Now that was a new term to me when I read the study. I had never heard the term zettabyte. A zettabyte, for those uninitiated, is one billion terabytes. So we're talking an enormous amount of data, numbers that we've never comprehended before. But because of the bandwidth, the speed, and the capabilities of technologies like 5G, and we're already hearing things about 6G, which is gonna be a thousand times faster and with even more bandwidth, with all that opening up the super highway for data transmission, I believe we're going to see the faster and more eager adoption of 4.0 and all of those technologies that we're talking shop floor to top floor that are going to help drive that data. And manufacturing plants are going to see enormous ROI, enormous capabilities because of all that.
0: Yeah, really interesting perspective there, Matt. I guess the million dollar question that we have to think about is what are the benefits that companies see from adopting an Industry 4.0 approach? What should companies really look to see? Because this goes back to digging into the slower adoption, you know, so what benefits can companies see from adopting Industry 4.0?
1: Yeah, they're going to be great. Things like flexibility, being able to commission Multiple devices, so all these connected devices, you know, you're going to be setting them up all over the place. In the old mindset and with the old technology, you'd have to go out and physically commission all these devices, which was another roadblock. Putting somebody out in the field with a laptop computer to go plug into each one of these smart devices or new devices and try and configure them, commission them, get them up and running. With this new technology and everything from the new protocols that we've got to the new securities that are so much more robust, that ability to commission multiple devices from a single place. I can sit in my office here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I could commission thousands of devices all at one time all across the world and have them up and ready to go. It will take time to market for new products because we're gonna be able to set up the line much, much more quickly. We're going to have data on the health and all the criteria, health criteria going down that line at an instant, real time. And with the adoption of smart sensors and edge devices that are gonna have intelligence in them, be able to make on the fly changes as needed based on the running condition of the piece of equipment so greater utilization of the data is going to be one of the big things that high security levels because of whitelisting and multiple levels of security in these devices the deployment easier deployment flexibility so if you find that you're deploying a whole bunch of devices and you need to segment them well the flexibility to be able to have that segmentation and push it out there again like i was saying I could do from here in my office is going to be there. The connectability, being able to connect to even legacy devices is there. So those are just some of the benefits. But one of the big ones then is going to be, since we've got this zettabyte of data, you've heard the saying that we suffer from way too much data and not enough information. Well, that's going to be taken care of by some of the new technologies and the AI and all of that good stuff. So we're not going to suffer from a data glut, even though we're going to have immense amounts of data being funneled back into the home base or the historian. That data is no longer going to be seen as drinking from a fire hose, because all along the way, from the sensor all the way up, you're going to be able to use that data where needed, when needed, and quickly turn around actions to take care of, you know, whatever goes bump in the night. Those are some of the benefits that I see happening with this new technology.
0: Yeah, Matt, that's really interesting. I mean, the flexibility, of the setup, the big data, digging a little deeper, you know, you hear a lot of talk around predictive maintenance and energy savings in this area. Is there a benefit that we can talk about in those areas? Yeah.
1: I spent many years walking power plants in my younger days, and I learned from some guys that I thought they were magicians, because they could literally walk out into a plant. They were predictive maintenance guys. And while I was out there with my handheld data collector, taking vibration readings or doing temperature readings, these guys would walk out and these were the old guards. So I'm now considered the old guard, but these were the guys that were my age now when I was in my 20s they go out with a long-handled screwdriver or even just a long crescent wrench and they could put it on the bearing housing stick their ear up to it and they could tell you not specifically what was wrong with the bearing but they could tell you whether it was healthy or not and then they were doing their own predictive maintenance before predictive maintenance really became a thing now that we have the science that can be distributed across that whole spectrum everything from the sensors on up again We can take that expertise from those guys because they're all leaving the workforce now. As I said, they were the baby boomers and I'm the last of that baby boomer generation and they're stepping out, they're all retiring. And so what is going to replace them? Well, what's going to replace them is this automated intelligence, predictive maintenance, is replacing, and has been for years, replacing the run-to-failure type maintenance. Then you had preventive maintenance, which is good and still could be used in some places. But you know, when you do preventive maintenance, you leave a lot of money on the table because you're maybe changing oil like you do in your car, changing oil on a regular basis. But what if that oil still got usable life in it? You're wasting oil. We also ran into inspection-induced failures where somebody was doing an oil inspection and kicked dirt accidentally into the reservoir. Now you've got grease and grime and sand going through the gearbox. That's gonna gonna take a toll on the life of that gearbox far faster and earlier than it should have. So if you start to develop that evolution into the predictive maintenance using real-time analysis and intelligence grabbing data from sensors that are permanently mounted and a lot of machine manufacturers now are building these sensors into their equipment and so you've got ready-made data collection opportunities out there and so you don't have to rely on the stuff that we had to rely on when I was a kid and running around. now. How does that help? Well, we've implemented all this stuff at Advantech in a number of our manufacturing facilities. And we're looking at returns of things like in our LingCow Manufacturing Center, we've had an 8.5% reduction in energy usage, to your point. So we're seeing far less energy usage because we're able to manage the energy consumption by running things up, running things down as needed in real time, using intelligence, and using the data as it comes in instead of just, well, it's time to pull this one offline. It's time to transfer to this production line from that other production line. We're using the data now. We're seeing about a 14% reduction in product defect coming off the end of the line because our lines are running at optimal speed optimal operation most of the time so we use OEE overall equipment effectiveness we've got a whole set of products that have OEE calculations and scores built into them so we're always looking at energy usage OEE product inspection visual as well as it's coming off the line having inspections secondary inspections done but only on a as needed type basis Our delivery cycle time in our plants has been reduced by almost 50 percent. It's actually like 40, 44 percent. Of course, the world is still suffering from transportation and getting things from point A to point B issues that we're having. But the data that we're pulling from the time that we put an order in the system to the time we have prime product out the back end of the plant, what we're seeing because of all of these things that we're using, We're seeing those kind of reductions. And I think that that will be across the board. Plants that are implementing this are going to see that kind of a return.
0: Yeah, Mark, that's some really interesting points there. Predictive maintenance, some of the flexibility on the setup. There's a lot of benefits. One of the areas, and myself included in this one, a lot of people expected a much faster rollout of industry 4.0. It's one of the things that there's a lot of question marks on. Are you surprised at the time it's taking for companies to try and adopt this approach?
1: I wouldn't say surprised. I would say I'm disappointed. But I think it goes back to the mindset. I do also think that one of the reasons that we're now seeing the adoption start to speed up, like some of those studies that I cited at the beginning, I think one of the reasons for that is this new generation of workers, the new generation of folks coming in, the Gen Z's, the Gen X's, the Millennials, within the next five years, the workforce is going to completely turn over and they're going to be the predominant employee, the predominant force out there. And as that happens, that whole generation, they grew up with all this technology. They grew up with LCAP, low coding application platforms. Things like Minecraft, the Lego Minecraft, where you would have little coding blocks that you would just snap together. Maybe they don't know Fortran, they don't know COBOL, they don't know Pascal Turbo. The guys that were in the manufacturing facilities that were doing ladder logic and scripting language and programming PLCs and all that, we're all leaving the workforce. The new generation coming in, they code much differently. They code much more quickly much more efficiently and the technology that they're using to do that is much more pervasive now than it was 10 years ago i think it was a technology as well as a mindset problem but that's quickly going to change being the technology nerd that i am i always was an early adopter and so disappointed that there weren't more people with my ilk at my age helping drive some of this but i see in the next five years that completely changes
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the demographics then are driving the adoption at different paces and the ability to really drive implementation of that through different demographics is proving interesting. So you touched upon this a little earlier, Matt. You started talking about some sort of financials. Farnell recently did some research that showed that there were difficulties in identifying or achieving a positive return on investment and it's an issue that's potentially delaying Industry 4.0 deployment. How easy is it for companies to measure the benefits financially?
1: So I think that with the data that is being collected now with some of the new smart technologies, that ROI is going to be easier to manage, to monitor and to justify. So as I said, we have a number of solutions starting from our smart sensors, our WISE modules that have a little intelligence built into them, all the way up through gateways and backend solutions where you're going to be able to basically drag and drop different types of ROI calculations like overall equipment effectiveness, energy usage. We've got modules in a lot of our product now where the backend intelligence to be able to give you the information to easily and quickly turn that data into insight is going to be available for the top floor. So that was in my shop floor to top floor. What we always said was that the guys at the top floor, they don't need the vibration analysis. They don't need the oil sample data. What they need is how is that affecting my production line? How is that affecting the number of products we get off? How's that affecting my bottom line? What is my scrap cost? all of that can now be integrated into these routines so that dashboards can easily be created that give you the ROI so you don't have to have a beam counter in the back room trying to crunch all these numbers and say okay okay we spent this much on this technology and this product and here's our energy usage it took me 6 weeks to pull these numbers together well now that those numbers are pulled together in minutes if not seconds and so one of the things that we've done and we've always done it's always been a part of Advantech's DNA is to be very open architecture. And so where we might not be the expert at creating that calculation that shows you this particular ROI, that particular energy usage, or the overall equipment effectiveness, we're out there working with partners that do have the expertise in those particular verticals or those areas or that subject matter. And because we're an open architecture and it's always been part of our makeup, it's very easy to pull that type of capability into one of our solutions or into the solutions that are out there so that that return can be generated as easily as a snap in. You've got a module that snaps in that gives you an ROI or an OEE type score and you've got a dashboard that's designed specifically for the top floor guys, the guys that just need the top level information. Exact same dashboards can be given to the maintenance guys, to the production crew. They each have a slight variation in the type of information and the variety of information they need and now it's accessible all the way up. I think that's where the ROI is easily accessible these days
0: i mean modules to calculate rois and being able to customize and configure these clearly that makes this really appealing to businesses because it becomes bespoke to that individual business one of the things in one of our recent surveys we found that many of final customers were partnering to deliver IoT services and products. Is Avantech using partnerships to deliver a complete industrial 4.0 solution?
1: That has always been part of our focus. We knew that we couldn't be all things to everyone. So what we have done, we partner with over 170 different companies, everybody from hardware to software manufacturers, the NVIDIA, Microsoft the software companies like Renesis, Proface, Ignition what we have always wanted to do is we want to focus on what we do best and what we do best is hardware and integration and what we then do is we harness the expertise of our domain focused experts so those companies like nvidia who are the experts in visualization and capture and image capture and high speed data analysis of images and imagery so we know that we can't go to their depth and we didn't ever want to so we partner with them to say okay let's take your capability your expertise and let's build it into some of these mic products mic products that we have that are small industrial pcs that can then be configured with this visualization type product we partner with microsoft for azure or with aws so that we have these cloud services that can then make implementation and distribution of this solution easy and again we aren't the subject matter expert but we're going to work with them we're going to focus on integrating the best of the best with what we know best and that is the industrial hardware side of things we've been doing that for years and it has always been the best solution to future-proof anything that you're putting out into your facilities
0: I love it, Matt. I think, uh, you know, experts working with experts to develop the perfect solutions. It's really the way forward. One thing that we also identified in one of our trends was the rapid adoption of AI. So artificial intelligence in industrial systems. Is Avantech using artificial intelligence to deliver Industry 4.0 solutions? Yeah,
1: absolutely. The idea of all that data, going back to the zettabytes of data, but before AI and before it really started to mature, trying to crunch all of that information or that amount of information would have been unheard of. We just couldn't do it because there isn't enough hours in the day for an analyst to be able to go through all that data. So we're partnering with companies like renaissance it's an ai company out of japan and others there are many of them around the world globally that have that domain expertise we're seeing it even at the sensor level we've got some vibration sensors that have intelligence built into them so that as a whole lot of shaking starts to happen. They actually can throw warnings and send notifications and do all that type of immediate response. But we're also working at the edge where another one of the problems always was it takes a good amount of data and that data was relatively fat i say fat just to give you a visual think of pushing a whole bunch of data across the infrastructure across the cable across the wire now across the wireless and with lte with 3g there were constraints on that bandwidth but with 5g and the future in the future 6g you've got far more bandwidth but we still don't want to push tons of data across it. we don't want to clog up those arteries of information with a bunch of glut. So the information and the way the information is now being used is just the pertinent pieces of information because you've got a smart sensor that's collecting all the raw data, but it's just pushing the relevant pieces real-time, and then it can then batch upload some other data in the like off-peak times when there's not a lot of traffic on the network. and Then you've got the edge computers that are sitting there that have intelligent inference engines sitting in them and they're taking this information and then they're doing some analysis on it and they can take action right away and they have that strong robust artificial intelligence inference engine that actually is learning on the job so it's configured with certain requirements and constraints but as it gets real world data it can learn and then it pushes the relevant information back to the back end that is going to be needed to modify or to change or to notify of changes in the modeling based on the real world scenario in this particular example or on this floor in this plant across these couple of machines so yeah it's the next giant leap that is going to help adopters take on What we see as the next generation of industry 4.0 is the ability to move all this data but not just end up with a pile of data sitting somewhere that somebody's got to look through. What you end up with are insights. Insightful information that comes from the raw data that says here this is what you have to look at. That's what you have to look at. This other stuff's not important. We're going to save some of it because we want historical data. But it's not relevant to the condition right now. It's just." historical background
0: when you think about that i mean you're clearly very knowledgeable in this area and it's something that you are clearly very excited about do you think there's going to be a idle wave of change that ai will cause industry 4.0 systems or do you think it will be a more subtle evolution
1: I think it's going to be more of a tidal wave and the reason I say that industry experts looking forward over the next couple of years are showing that the AI market's going to be a $18 billion market and the adoption's going to happen quickly again because of that turnover in the workforce. Like I was saying earlier, the wizards that were out there with their screwdrivers telling you just by walking into the plant and listening to the sounds, smelling the smells feeling the vibration they could tell you kind of what was going on well like i said those guys are all going and this next generation coming in they don't necessarily have that skill set but they don't need it because they have a skill set that matches the technology that's coming in and in the same way that the guys of my age used the capability that they had at the time when it was needed, and that became the way we did maintenance in a lot of manufacturing plants. This next generation of people are gonna be leveraging the technology at their disposal, and that's gonna drive it. That's why I think there's gonna be a jump in the next couple of years, because partially out of necessity, but also because you want your workforce working to their capabilities and strengths, and that's gonna be the strength of this new workforce.
0: Really interesting comments, Matt, really interesting. In terms of Advantech, clearly you guys are a player in this market. What makes your solutions so unique?
1: I think what makes Advantech unique is what has pretty much always made the company unique, and that is that we've always been information agnostic. We've always been open to working across different protocols with different vendors in different types of environments so we've always had an open architecture dna we've always espoused that idea of sharing information to the best use of the information and for the best use of the consumer themselves so whether it's i mentioned them earlier opcua compliance or having all the different protocols and being open to drivers for legacy systems which are always the we forgot about that system out there because we you know it just has always been running it's been going out there strong for so long that now that we've got this new technology now we've got to think how do we get information out of that system And how do we reverse engineer something? Well, we've always been open to that. and We've been working with partners and companies to always have that kind of open structure. So, I think that's unique because we help future-proof what you're doing. It's not Advantech or bust. It's best technology and. So, we're always in the and category. That makes us very unique in that we don't lock out technologies because we're trying to own the whole space. We're always open to integration.
0: Good points there, Matt. Now, I'm gonna ask you the million dollar question. This question means that you need to get the crystal ball out. But what do you think the biggest change or trend in industrial IoT will be in the next five to 10 years? Now, I know you're gonna say you're not the next Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, but where do you see this going in the next five to 10?
1: So I'm a nerd, and I told you that I'm an early adopter, so I'm always looking at the next stuff coming down. I'm very engaged in that kind of research because I just like it. I've got all the latest Apple stuff. I'm always looking for what's coming down the pike. I think with the technology in the wireless space, with the technology that surrounds augmented reality and the metaverse, and all of that technology and gaming, I think you're going to see that move into the manufacturing space. It's already in the medical space. Already doctors are training on using augmented reality headsets and haptic gloves so that they can perform operations and skill sets that virtually in an augmented reality type situation before they ever get on a patient or get into a real operating room and because the haptic technology is there and because the visual is there they're really put into the situation which part of what why doctors do that obviously is for the muscle memory and so that they have the experience before they try and cut somebody open live. I guess that's probably always a good idea. But it's also so that they can regulate their own personal response to things that are going to happen while they're performing the operations. That's Everybody knows that instinctively. You think, oh yeah, that's a great idea. We want to do that with our doctors because we don't want them cutting into somebody for the first time and going, oh, never saw that before. But that same idea. I think we're gonna see that in the manufacturing space. I think that somebody like me, I could put on my Quest goggles and I could be in the Lingkau facility over in Taiwan and I could be literally walking the plant floor and be in the space all around me. That technology already exists. We've been using it in gaming for a while. So I think that that's gonna be one of the next things that comes in. It's gonna get better because it is. It's growing leaps and bounds. And so you're going to be able to do things in a couple of years that we're not really sure is possible today, but it will be in a couple of years. The other thing that I think, and I mentioned it earlier, is this LCAP, this low-coding app platform. With all the apps on the App Store and the Google Marketplace and all, there is a whole grouping demographic of engineers, software engineers, that are used to this low-code technology and capability, and so Where it used to take a couple of weeks maybe to flesh out an automation routine using ladder logic and getting your programs all set correctly across a line, it's gonna take minutes to maybe hours, if that, with this new technology because of the expertise and the way that it's now being coded. You can turn out iPhone apps and Samsung apps in no time flat with this new technology. So I think that's also gonna drive a lot of that. It's going to be drag-and-drop configuration. You're going to be able to see the adoption speed up because the part that often took the longest, I've got a son who's in college right now who's going through doing an electrical engineering major and he's working with a company right now that they have him redesigning their HMI solution from an old version of a software to a new version and he still has to recreate a lot of that the old way because they need some things that just aren't quite there yet. But we're right on that edge and I can see him, he already is into that drag and drop and low coding. It's kind of configuration capability. So it's there, it's gonna come pretty quickly in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, what a great way to end the podcast. I mean, augmented reality in the metaverse and the new technologies in wireless, the speed and the pace of change through the low code technology sounds really, really interesting. Matt, just in terms of closing, is there anything else that you want to add that we haven't yet covered? Well, I
1: think from the Advantech side and our particular expertise on the hardware side, whether it's industrial cellular routers or gateways or those edge devices or even the smart sensors, Advantech has been driving towards that complete solution and bringing in those partners, again, that have the expertise to fill in where they need to fill in with the kind of capabilities that make it seamless, make it productive, distributed, and rapid deployment, which I guess are all the different things that I think are really going to drive the next gen over the next five years, 10 years, there's probably stuff that's going to be coming in 10 years that you and I can't even imagine right now. 10 years ago, there were things that we're doing today that we weren't thinking of. We just barely had a smartphone 10 years ago. And now if you don't have a smartphone, everybody looks at you funny. So I'm excited to see what happens in the next 10 years. It'll be a whirlwind, I think for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Matt. I'm sure the pace of change and the technology that we're seeing getting implemented at the moment is going to create a very different world in a few years' time. Um, At the end of each podcast, we generally like to ask the guests a few questions to get to know you a little better. Matt, are you ready for this one? Yeah, (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Right, let's get straight at it. Um, So what's the craziest application that you've seen one of your products used in.
1: Okay. Well, they're all over the place. Craziest one that I've seen is a methane reclamation plant. And the reason it's crazy, it just sounds like, oh, okay, reclaiming methane. But the thing that's crazy about this is it's in the dairy farm area of Wisconsin, which is a dairy state, lots of dairy farms up there. And one of the problems that they found is there's lots of byproduct of a dairy farm, meaning a lot of cow manure, and it gives off a lot of methane gas, which is bad for the environment. So this entrepreneur came up with a way to reclaim that. So they buy manure from cattle farms, they put it through a digester, and we monitor the rotating bearings and the information coming off those digesters. So that's the wildest application, but they reclaim the methane, As they put the stuff through the digester, they create liquid methane out of it. They sell it off as liquid methane, and then they sell the byproduct, which is manure less it's methane, back to the farmers as fertilizer. So it's ecologically sound. It's very useful in the dairy states in the central part of our country. It's um, a great entrepreneurial endeavor by this company that I've been talking to.
0: Wonderful. So Matt, this podcast has been fantastic today. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to do that?
1: Well, they can reach out to us at Advantech. Our website is www.advantech.com. That's globally. If they want to reach out in North America, it's buy.advantech.com. That'll take you to our North American site, which is pretty soon going to switch over to advantechusa.com. So be looking for that but they can reach out to us and via email it is support at Advantech.com or info.iot at Advantech.com. So a number of different ways to get an email out if they want to reach me specifically, just send one through there and it will make its way to me.
0: Okay, so before we go, Matt, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners?
1: Well, I would say this, when I started my career in computers 35 years ago, Moore's Law was something that I learned in my master's program. Every 18 months, computer technology doubles in speed and reduces by half in size. Now, that was 35 years ago. I'm sure that if I went back and looked that up, they probably modified Moore's Law to some slice of that because technology is coming at us fast and furiously. and don't be afraid of being on the leading edge of the technology because it is so robust and companies all across the globe like Advantech and our partners are always there to help you implement these new technologies in a safe, constructive and very user-friendly way. So don't let Moore's Law get the better of you. Stay in front of it.
0: Yeah, we're definitely on the cusp of some major technological changes and it's been great today. I just want to thank you very much for joining us on the Innovation Experts podcast. We hope that everyone enjoyed the episode. I'd like to encourage you all to check out Matt Dentino and Advantech Online to find out more about their specialist products and services. Thanks once again, Matt.
1: My pleasure, Dave. Thanks for having me.
0: We would love to hear what you have to say about how Industry 4.0 is supporting innovation in your sector. So please get in touch with us at technology@farnell.com, or you can contact me on LinkedIn. Just search Dave Beck. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you all for another expert interview on the Innovation Experts very soon. Until then, thanks for listening.